0: Welcome to Real Vision and the Defiance weekly bipartisan bilateral pod show Gramcast. Where this week, for the privilege of you lending us your time, we have over collateralized our position with the return of the People's Princess of Payment Protocols, the never knowingly centralized Camilla Russo. And joining us once again <laughs> is Real Vision's Pied Piper of Price Fluctuations, Elaine Lee. I'm still Robin Schmidt, and I make videos in it. Well, as you might notice, things have changed a bit here at uh, Defiant Manners. Camilla, how are you? Elaine, how are you? You've actually kind of matched the backgrounds, weirdly, both of you. Brick, Loft, what's going on?
1: <laughs> Industrial Chic is the name of the style.
2: Uh, yeah, she's <laughs> my yang baby. Um, hello, everyone. It's nice to see you guys
0: again. So th- th- I guess I probably should give some context to this. Uh, we are going to be discussing a lot of metaverse and NFT concepts in this episode, particularly when it comes to little pods of space that Uh, Companies are using as their offices in the metaverse, but we at The Definer are are kind of trying to push ourselves into a new era of production. And the way we're doing that is through virtual production. So I'm currently sitting in a green screen studio, which you can't see at the moment, but it looks like I'm in this kind of weird um, abandoned building somewhere that's been overgrown by leaves. This is not a static background. This is, in fact, a live background that's coming out of Unreal Engine. And so we decided towards the end of last year that we were going to kind of switch things up and start producing stuff using the best kind of new, weird game engine virtual production technology around. So I have a technician over there who's going to give you a little taste of what's actually going on here. So he's moving the camera around in real time. So these are scenes which have been Photo scanned, like 3D photo scanned. And so they're completely photorealistic, but they're also, this is all real time. This is just coming straight out of the game engine. And wow. he's moving around there. You can see all the texture of the the concrete. It says, I'm a panda there. You know, this could be a, an <laughs> NFT bolt hole. But the, the reason we're doing this is because metaverses and Making content in the metaverse is very problematic at the moment because the tools are designed for the lowest common denominator. They're, they're designed to make it easy for people to come in and just play the game on the lowest spec system possible. And for us, that's, that's like, yeah, but we want to tell richer stories and we want to take advantage of all the tools that are available to us. So if I ask Alp now just to change what time of day it is, he will be able to go into Unreal Engine and change where the sun is just on the fly. So hopefully he's going to be able to do that right now. You saw him moving the camera around, but this is all happening in real time. Like I can just say, do this, do that. Uh, we can also use MIDI controllers so that I can have a little camera you, system can here. Can you like
2: drop something on your head, Robin? Ow! Can you just like find like some rock or something? Can you put it on top of Robin's head? Is this how it works?
0: He can't hear you. Thank God. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the so the the issue is that. I'm currently on a green screen. So, Alp, if you if you can show camera two, you can give people a kind of glimpse of the setup here. So, this is where where I am at the moment. So, I'm in a studio with a green screen behind me, and an Unreal Engine is being projected onto that green screen. So, wherever the wherever's green is Unreal Engine. So, that's camera two. That gives you sort of an idea of the setup that we have. And then if we go back to camera one, so janky the setup at the moment, you'll be able to see me in the environment. And it still looks a bit fake. Where we're moving to is that. I nice. want to go full virtual. So I'll be a virtual character, puppeting a virtual version of myself in real time using something like this. And this is a, a motion capture um, rig that you attach your, your phone onto. And then, as you said, I would be able to have a rock drop on my head and it would actually interact with me in real time. We could set up collision and we could also do it so that you know, if somebody said something provocative, I would be able to make my hair stand up just by triggering something on on a device, a MIDI keyboard. So this is basically, the, the opportunity in front of us is to tell really dynamic, rich stories that really express the best of like what full freedom in a metaverse can look like and where it can go. And the thing is, like, there's no reason to do this, but we are explorer creatures, and we feel like if we really want to be a news organization that tells the story... And we were talking about this last night, Camilla. we need to be telling it from the inside out. That was such a big theme of I think what drove our success last year is we are embedded, we are legitimately inside this space and, and we are able to tell that story from the inside out. yeah, I know you had lots to, to, to say on that in terms of just not being Bloomberg and not being that, that same <laughs> idiom.
1: Yeah. Um, well, I mean, super excited to see the virtual studio. Uh, coming along and to, you know, bring our Real Vision friends into this uh, new kind of uh, phase of storytelling. Um, it's it's super exciting. Um, and, yeah, like, what I was, what we were talking about yesterday is that, you know, it's the perspective of where the Defiant is um, telling the story of of the metaverse is from from the inside. And so, like, the way that we are representing it with videos, is like literally from a virtual world, like inside a virtual world. Um, so yeah, that's that's our 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 goal is to um, you know tell the story of DeFi and Web three objectively and uh, professionally, but um, as insiders. You know, we're we're not kind of f- stepping back from a distance and looking down on this kind of new innovation, uh, we are in, in it, um, and hopefully that, that can bring a, a closer, um, and deeper, uh, perspective on what's going on. So yeah, uh, with that, like we, we can, we can get into our perspective on uh, the past week's stories, right?
0: Well, yeah. So one of those stories was the news that ftx binance they were building offices not in an ethereum metaverse but in a solana one called portals elaine did you pick up that story does this kind of resonate with you at all
2: i mean that's correct i mean looking at that sort of setup i'm loving this because you know i'm a gamer and it's pretty much like call of duty but like actually using it for everyday life now and we need to get you know involved and most importantly this is the sort of you know virtual sort of space that we're providing for the mass right but on the blockchain so it's truly um, a sort of incredible sort of momentum that we're seeing um right now to as a new way to tell stories but what's really cool about um putting offices in the metaverse is that you know you can skip travel time right and then you can go to these places and yet like you said you know binance is built on um solana but then you know um south korea i think is uh making uh moves into the metaverse as well with their embassy and you know i know that government officials are actually talking to builders um in the metaverse space at the moment so you know there's no exception to see crypto giants like binance uh, to only follow suit and what's mind blowing is that you know digital real estate it is here to stay you know yesterday i was producing a shoot and and i was talking to um Hrish uh, Lotlika, who is the CEO to um, Superworld, and he was just telling me about what Superworld was, and you can buy like real estate digital world now. So, you know, I was clicking on parts of the Golden Gate Bridge where you can get parts of the Golden Gate Bridge for 0.1 ETH. So, you know, is that something I'm going to go as my patch of the world that belongs to me in the metaverse? You know, it's so exciting. And, you know then i sort of moved on to the conversation where i'm like but what about space in the metaverse and then before he started talking he was just sort of like elaine we need vodka for this and i was like all right fair enough
0: <laughs> well it's funny because we about a year just over a year ago we we looked into somnium space which is probably one of the most visually exciting metaverse worlds that are currently out there and it's very much vr first we built a headquarters in there and we don't use it and it's because the tools just aren't quite there yet to do it the way we want to do it and to feel comfortable doing things there and we and we could use it as a virtual meetup, meeting space but every time we've tried to jump in and use these things they just feel like they're not quite ready for the the extreme pace of things that we need to to do the work that we want to do the reason we've we've landed on unreal engine for for production is that unreal engine just has incredible support all around the world people are building plugins they're building assets for it and it's a very well tutorialized ecosystem where if you have a question you can go find it um with somnium space the building tools are a little bit primitive and it just felt like it's you just can't quite get to where we want to be i feel the same way about portals which was this solana thing i went and played around with the demo and i went to play around with everything it just feels very very crude that's not to say that it won't mature and become something where you go, okay, well, this is really, really cool. But I think one of the, the great promises of the metaverse is that it's the casual encounter. You will drop in there and you'll just stumble across something and it'll be amazing, like browsing Netflix or YouTube. And my experience of all metaverses so far is they're just not there yet. But that is because we're so early. So for us, it was more, well, if we want to create a metaverse-like experience, then we're going to use Unreal Engine, and we're going to do it in a way that we can control, and we can keep that excitement and quality up. And what's interesting about building things in Unreal is that you start to think about things in a very, very different way. We can create an environment that you could then play as a game, because they're the same engine, they're the same tools. So you you could release it on Steam and say, okay, so this month we talked about for instance, lending protocols, you could build an entire level where people would go and explore lending protocols, but play it as a game. And maybe there's like NFTs that they could pick up as well. So we're talking to a company about how we would integrate NFTs and use them as your avatars directly within an Unreal environment. That's exciting for me. That, for me, feels more, much more like the metaverse than some of the experiences I've had um, on these Ethereum-based or blockchain-based platforms. And of course, it's, again, it's just early days, but it's like, it all feels like a little bit like yeah, digital land, woo, and then it's like crickets for five years. So yeah, I'm a little bit skeptical about all of that stuff, but also excited as you are to build and express ourselves in this digital world. But for me, it's going to be this and not um not portals. cammy any thoughts?
1: Yeah, I think you know there needs to be kind of a, a coincidence of things happening for for this to really take off. Like, one is um just an improvement of uh, like the UX, like like you mentioned, like it's very clunky still. And the other one is just you need um, more like just like mass adoption of it to actually make sense because if you're uh, going to be dropping into the these virtual spaces, um, hoping to meet people there, but there's nobody there and nobody's using it. Um, you know it like the the whole thing kind of um, will 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 be a a bit pointless so it's like you need both things uh, to work and right now neither are so it's still kind of early days but I mean it I mean it takes just like getting uh, companies like uh, like Binance and like like ourselves and just like exploring this and being early and and using it and just pushing things forward um for for the space to develop which i think it will
0: well that's an adoption question and elaine you were telling me before the stream started that you you kind of reawakened your nft brain and that you'd suddenly kind of come back and taken a look at it and i think there's a lot of that uh, uh, uh," with people they get excited and then they drop off and they excited and then drop off
2: So I see this sort of stuff happening and I know like people are sort of like creating their comfort space for which is basically hitting the topic of play to earn, which is really important. You know, it's creating your environment. And we was talking on uh, Real Vision this week. Well, one of the interviewers, um, he's actually the leader of operations at MetaMask. And I was like, so, you know, why are you so committed into making, you know, the new Web3, you know, the new metaverse space back for you know, the people who, who wants to go into this space. And he was like, look, Um, Gaming is addictive But the thing is The time and effort That you put into your stream where you're meeting To your friends And you know When you put your time And your energy Addicted to a screen At least it's The rewards The incentiveness Is coming back to you As the streamer As the content provider So that for me Is just something That is really worth Spending You know A little bit of time Like you do In and out At The Defiant Just really learning Of what this new space is So I think that's Really important. That stuff is coming back to the people and how they use the internet.
0: Well, there's definitely an adoption thing here, and I, I seem to remember that one of the accusations that was always levelled at these level uh, layer one super chains is that there was all this bandwidth and nothing was happening on them. It's taken a while, but you're starting to see the likes of Avalanche and near Polkadot, of course, really start to you know gain interest and traction because Ethereum is just so expensive and so crazy. And we were just talking about it here. You know, our, our focus, we feel more and more should be to where we can help the most people. And the the most people kind of want to be active in DeFi, but it's heavily put off by just how expensive Ethereum is. So we're just exploring more and more different layer twos, different layer ones, seeing what's being built there. And what you discover is that it's a smaller community, but it's also a really lively one. And because they they're in this position where they're challenging, they're working seemingly twice as hard to be relevant and to be interesting and to justify their position in in the world, and that's really exciting. So I, I'm very keen to to keep doing that that job and and just going and exploring what's being built elsewhere, uh, because I feel that there's some amazing stuff out there that probably doesn't get enough light shined on it. It's in a very niche way, and I think that's one of the things that we've been good at with the Definers, keeping an open mind, saying doesn't matter where you are, if the innovation's good, we'll take a look at it. And we should definitely do more of that. Oh, and I think great. the you know, one of the interesting things is, is, OpenSea has been this kind of binance like monopolizing force in the NFT market, but starting to be challenged. And I wonder if, Camilla, you, you've seen anything that's popped up that's looked like it's you know going to mount a significant challenge to OpenSea's hegemony in the market. Um,
1: we've seen a, a bunch of o- OpenSea challengers pop up in the past a couple of months um the latest one uh, just had an airdrop uh i think it was this week looks rare is uh the the this like OpenSea challenger um which airdropped the uh looks uh, token to uh, potential users um so to to get this um they, they had an interesting way of, of distributing their token, you had to have, I think three ETH of um, transaction volume on OpenSea and um, list and NFT on the rare platform to get an airdrop. Um, and I think where kind of all these OpenSea challengers are uh, coming from is this idea that um, OpenSea is just like this, market behemoth um that is uh just has has grown so so big uh like it's it's the largest um uh, consumer of gas on the ethereum net- network like even more than uniswap like even more than any DeFi protocol like open is responsible for for uh I don't know if most of uh, activity on Ethereum but it's it's definitely the most active um uh, pro- uh, like project uh, on causing transactions on Ethereum. Um so that just tells you uh, you know how how big it's it's gotten and the problem that some people are seeing is that it's still a centralized platform, you know, like it's a centralized platform that is enabling the transfer um and transactions of uh, decentralized tokens uh like nfts but it's still centralized and you know uh it's it's had issues before um like with that former employee who was front running uh, uh you know users of of opensea and and buying up uh you know very um attractive uh tokens before they the- were listed I think-
2: their head of product, and he's actually been replaced with the latest round of funding. Um, I think in the same uh, press release, they actually mentioned that the head of product was replaced by someone from Meta. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, the flow of talent engineers who are probably building these things for the very first time, you can just see where the momentum is going when they're just taking big tech giants over to help build and continue to grow on OpenSea.
1: Yeah, totally. But the, the the idea is that let me the, the the point is that you know this was this happened uh, because it is a like an opaque centralized closed source um, product. You know, it, it is a centralized marketplace. So that's where all these challengers are coming from. Like they they want to build a more open source, um, decentralized. A uh, more transparent version of of OpenSea. Um, so we we'll see whether whether they can like start chipping at uh, OpenSea's lead. So far, um, OpenSea has just grown and grown larger and larger, and, and nothing has been able to really challenge it.
0: Well, I think the the interesting thing with OpenSea is that for for the longest time it was the place, and it certainly enabled a lot of people to become quite wealthy. They take 2.5% on every trade that happens. So they're just printing money, let's be honest. And yep. they're also raising money. So a ton of money has been raised by OpenSea in successive rounds throughout last year. And it's a lot, like it's the mind blowing a lot of money. I think the problem is that what the end user is seeing out of that is outages. The site goes down the whole time. <clears throat> the functionality, the speed with which you can see um, that you know what your your collection is looking yeah. at the the speed with which uh, metadata is refreshed there's just a bunch of things which are like surely it can be done better than this and then there's you know there's other things where you know wash trading happens and they don't flag it and scams happen and it's they kind of slow to react on it there's just a bunch of stuff where people go yeah you know what you're making so much money do a better job looks rare is interesting because as you rightly said there's been rareable there's been other platforms that make place and and specific platforms where they felt like they could mount a challenge and Rarible definitely did, but LooksRare has this kind of vibe that it's more of a community thing. They did a vampire attack where they persuaded people who traded on OpenSea to come over because of, of the airdrop, but they just made sure you listed something. And the problem on any platform is like, it's very easy to find sellers, but very difficult to find buyers. But what they did was they they created a marketplace that was rich in items for sale. The other thing that's very interesting about NFTs is that you can take them wherever you want. The platform does not own them. You don't send them to the platform and then sell them there. So if people want to sell elsewhere, they can. They can also still have an item for sale on OpenSea, but they simultaneously can have an item for sale on LooksRare. The, the two are not mutually exclusive. So there's a kind of why not element to this, which is like, why 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 not give us a go? And LooksRare, you know, it might be a success, it might not, but they've certainly, they're in a position to say, here are the things that don't work about OpenSea. And we're small enough and agile enough that we can actually try and make this happen. But um, yeah, it, it's, it's about time. Honestly, it really is. Because uh, OpenSea was it just, ah, it's just like, there's so much they could do. And then there was all this kind of chat that they were going to drop a token. Because if OpenSea did a token, then a lot of people would be like, wow, we get a lot of money out of this. You know, it's <laughs> like when MetaMask token, when OpenSea token, uh, there won't be an OpenSea token. I, I think
1: I think yeah I think they they said uh, there definitely won't be a token.
0: They did, yeah. Right, Metamask, yeah. yeah. Metamask, Metamask might do, but Open OpenSea there definitely won't be.
1: Yeah, mm. so they they broke everyone's heart, and maybe that's what kind of like pushed new life into these uh, competitors.
0: Well, there've been so many airdrops. So there've been gas airdrops, and there's another one coming out. WTF.fees, or sorry, fees. WTF. And this is basically if you've been a degenerate. You get rewarded for it. So the more you've traded, the more you've spent money on on worthless JPEGs, the more money you get back. It's like, it's, uh, you can't I make saw it up. That was
2: a, I saw that was a nice little treat for people around Christmas time. Like if you spend so much amount on that website that you mentioned, Robin, um, what is it it's
0: uh Fees, fees.wtf it's just like you know it's, yeah. it's the ult- ultimate ethereum masochism just you know punish yourself yeah. with how much you spend
2: people actually got um tokens the sos tokens <laughs> drop from it because depending on how much gas you spend on ethereum um you got actually you know a, a bit of money back from it which i thought was quite a nice little christmas treat for people but yeah like you well, said
0: let's you know, let's 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 be clear it's not money back you just get airdropped a token, and it just so happens that people you believe that airdrops it. will pump yeah. at some point, so it, you could turn it into money. But it, you, you're not getting money back; it's not like a, a cashback system on a credit card.
2: Money, very good. <clears throat> yeah. So looks red. They just they were gunning for OpenSea, um, I from what I can see. So it'd be interested to see their trading volume, you know, next week, because I think Rareable did the same, but they just, you know, tanked in a lot of volumes. But um, just worth mentioning some of the upcoming marketplaces that I've been looking at is um coinbase nft is coming up um ftx have their own nft marketplace magic eden was one that i saw coming up as well but i think the most important thing is wherever you shop these kind of things um like i've been on my massive shopping uh, spree throughout christmas it all goes into your wallet in metamask which is the the beauty for me and i feel safe you know trying out all these different um marketplaces when OpenSea is trending on Twitter as BrokenSea. Um, so <laughs> that kind but of... If, uh, if, you're,
0: if you're a Magic Eden, it won't go into your Metamask because Magic Eden is on oh, Solana, and so you will need the Phantom uh-huh. wallet for that. Um, Solana is in its own weird place out there, but there's bridges, you know.
2: Yeah is that the um, one with the little ghost that's the logo?
0: Yes. Phantom is a fantastic wallet. I'm actually going to do a whole bunch of tests on wallets because um, there's an open source wallet because now people are slightly suspicious of Metamask. And so, you know, our beloved Fox might be not quite the thing that we think it is, and we're looking at alternatives. So there's definitely some interesting wallets like uh, Fortmatic and Portis as well that are definitely, and I know a lot of people use Coinbase wallet, but that Coinbase NFT marketplace, I mean, I don't even know what to think about that one anymore. Um, I mean, the point,
2: I think at the moment is like what's exciting for these um, NFT marketplaces is that, you know, there's so much parabolic growth in them. It, it, they are desperately looking for artists and desperately looking for um, it, new buyers. So I think, you know, it goes back to the word that I mentioned earlier, which I'm, I'm loving this word is incentiveness is I think all these companies that are popping up left, right and center need to sort of ask themselves from the get go, what is the incentives for our users? That's going to pull me back.
0: You said companies, but they're yeah. not companies.
2: What would you call them?
0: They're, they're just projects. Projects. Yeah, they're just projects.
1: Well, Coinbase is a company, and I think you know it. it it'll be interesting to see um, what their marketplace does. Like, it, it, they obviously have such a, a huge pull um, on, like, just like crypto trading and us uh, like, I, I don't, I don't know how, like, what was the latest. A uh, number of uh, customers they have, but they have like millions of people uh, there already. So um, maybe maybe they are kind of the OpenSea uh, competitor, even if it's it doesn't come from just like the, this like community open source decentralized side of things, and it just comes from uh, from CFI. Maybe that's kind of what what really kind of can challenge um, OpenSea. I'm wondering if um, the next evolution, though. Will be from these markets becoming more specialized because right now OpenSea just like has every NFT in the market uh, traded there. Uh, Coinbase will do the same. Variable, um, uh, like all of these, uh, uh, they, they just like offer everything. Um, so I wonder if the next phase will be just like specialization. So. Maybe uh, there will be just like a music NFT uh, marketplace. Uh, there, there, there can be others that are just focusing on avatars. Uh, maybe there's a marketplace that is just for like physically backed um, NFTs, uh, and so on uh, for like um, apparel and clothing. Uh, like Metafactory is is kind of that, but. Uh, it feels like a generalist marketplace I don't know if, if that's going to be the most useful thing going forward because in the end like you have just like very specific use cases and and you'd you'd want to visualize these different nfts in different ways so maybe something that just like generalizes the view isn't the most helpful thing for buying and selling uh, these tokens
0: well that's an interesting point because you'd think that it would work that way I suspect what what it's going to be is you, you want it to be a much more like a mall. So OpenSea, for instance, would be the mall, but within OpenSea you'd have different storefronts, and there you know you'd still get the footfall through that particular platform, but then you could be directed to a place where you felt, you know, in, in a sense, it's more like eBay or Amazon. You know, you have Amazon resellers and stuff, and <clears throat> affiliate programs and all these kind of things. I suspect a, a scaled-up version of that looks like that, um, and with reputation at stake as well, that that could make things very very interesting. Uh, and then if you could, you know, give storeholders the ability to launch their own reward program or a token or whatever it might be, then, you know, the more you shop with them, the more rewards you get. That that would work, but you need to have an umbrella or a mall kind of concept around that. Weirdly enough, that brings us right back to the metaverse where you could visualize that and make it an, you know, an interactive thing where you could actually go and do that for real. Uh, you know, all of these things are possible and uh, somebody's probably building it right now. Uh, definitely interesting. So the, the final story we wanted to look at was to do with just the amount of money that went through uh, rug pullers and black hats in DeFi in 2021. So there's a report on the DeFi, $2.2 billion, Camille Russo. It's a lot of money. <laughs> it is.
1: Yeah, uh, I think it was um, a record for uh, money lost in a, like... Crypto um, scams and and rug pulls and just like um, hacks. So um, that's unfortunate. I think it it comes with just there's more money flowing in crypto, more more volume, more more projects. So obviously like the the level and the amount of like money that's being hacked. Will grow together uh, with the space, so I mean that's that's kind of like a, a, a caveat to look at. Um, but I think you know this is definitely something that uh, crypto and, and DeFi needs needs to work on, just like make the space safer uh, for for users. Um, a lot of this is is just like simply um, education. A, a lot of these hacks happen by people like just giving away their seed phrase uh, and, and we see it all the time, you know, like that's the most common scam. Um, people pretend to be MetaMask support on Twitter. They get on a call uh, with with people or like send them a link that prompts them to to put on in their seed phrase and newcomers in this space don't realize that they should never give away their seed phrase, and they do, and then hackers just have free access uh, to to the victim's wallets. So it's a lot about education. Um, I think uh, there needs to be insurance, uh, decentralized insurance being um, developed to uh, to if not prevent these hacks, at least kind of. Um, uh, compensate uh, victims for for when when they are hacked so it just points to you know there's there's a lot of work that uh, still needs to be done on on making the space safer for sure
0: and i'm just going to plug a video that we made about being safer and smarter on metamask you can check it out on our channel but it's a good one because there's a lot of tips and things that you can do to just, just be a little bit more um circumspect about how you use it um, one of the big hacks from last year was Poly Network, and it was $600 million that was taken. The hacker actually mm. gave it all back, but um, what was interesting about that is I made a prediction at the end of 2020 that we would see a billion-dollar hack in DeFi in 2021, which didn't actually happen, but when I went back and looked at that hack, the hacker was actually bragging about how he could have taken a billion dollars and you know blown the world up, and and then uh, it, it didn't actually happen. But I was kind of like hoping that he would so I could... You know i could be right <laughs> which would have been something but um i definitely crazy. think that we, we'll probably see one this year uh elaine have you, have you been keeping safe on on no i can see <laughs> by your face that you're pu- you're pulling a face it's hard right
2: no, the best I can, like you said, it's all down to, honestly, education is at the forefront of everything as well, Um, going forward for 2022 uh, for me. I mean, it all goes back down to the 101, the do your own research sort of sentiment. And like you said, uh, in a previous video that we did, Robin, like, don't get lazy at learning if it all goes a little bit wrong sometimes. But, you know, for me, it's definitely the importance of keeping safe, which is looking out for the verified projects. Um, I tend to only mess with stuff. When I can see the bl- the blue tick for me and. I even found a cheeky little project that basically had their own um, photo on OpenSea, but they made the blue tick themselves, which was more oh Yeah, scary, but you you're, you, have to train your eye to see this sort of stuff, you know? And, you know, people dropping uh, new projects, Live Foreign Centre on Discord, but even I've seen, like, people just post a link into the Discord channel that the new really hot project that people want to get involved with. But from what I see, I'm telling you, this all all this stuff is so new and frightening and coming to us so quickly even the best in the system like um, a former uh, twitch ceo justin can launched a new project and you know even their team had a little scammy link in them and where he sends a video after and he's like congratulations you got the airdrop you survived the scams But I think the point I'm trying to make is even the best in the business have to deal with this on on a daily basis. So, you know, there was a great article that said um, the headline was we we all need to stop only seeing the dark side of crypto, which is hard when you hear stories like this. But I think, you know, you got to ask yourself, how has sort of crypto changed your life over the past year financially and mentally? And this digital asset space is moving so quick. So, you know, but such as life. So. For me, do things at your own pace. Learn at your own pace.
1: The importance of, of looking at projects that like have that the track record, because some of it is is education, but some of it is you know hackers just finding a bug in the smart contract and exploit or or a vulnerability and exploiting that uh, vulnerability to to manipulate the the like whatever DeFi protocol. To give them uh tokens at a cheap price or just like a, a series of um like financial like very sophisticated manipulations that's not as straightforward as just like oh I'll, i'm gonna take your fund from from your wallet it's it's more about like financial manipulation and and exploiting vulnerabilities and in these DeFi protocols so some sometimes you know you can do everything right and still lose money in these protocols because like the the developers in the projects like just didn't write the smart contract in, in the safest way. So the best way, and I think the only way to um, prevent uh, losses from that is just like looking at and using pr- products with a track record that have been um, uh, working for a long time without hacks that have had, you know, uh, lots of money um, transacted and, and ha- haven't been hacked. Uh, so I, I think that's kind of another... Precaution that uh, users like should should take.
0: So Elaine, you were talking about how people look at crypto as the dark side, and CoinDesk, sorry, Coin decided that they would post a story about how CZ is now the richest man in crypto, but he's now ranked a number eleven on the list of the world's richest people. No, just damn. behind, just behind Larry Ellison, Steve Ballmer, Warren Buffett, Sergey Brin, Larry Page. Now these are big names, established names in the world of technology. And if you see CZ pop up on there, then it's like, okay, okay. I mean, ninety-six billion dollars. I'm not sure what I would do with that. But it makes that six hundred million that was taken from Pauline Network seem ridiculous. But it does just go to show that you know there is. We're getting on the radar in weird and wonderful ways. And, and those who are skeptical of the space, I think there's an equal number of people who are bullish on the space. And I guess we just have to keep figuring it out. Uh, there's not much more to say than that, really. It's, it's gonna be a struggle and somehow we'll, we'll get through all of this intact and hopefully still holding all our NFTs in our hardware wallet. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. Cammy, one last update from you. How is the film going? How did the NFT sale go? Because I don't think we we I don't think we've heard from you since you actually launched the the movie.
1: Well, the movie itself hasn't launched yet. I think there's uh, a couple of years in in development for that. Um, we are working behind the scenes to have a, a, a hopefully a, a a very nice announcement uh, on like the movie production itself. Um, but the first installment of the um, Infinite Machine uh, NFT collection was sold um, in in December, um, and that did really well. Uh, we we sold the first 2,100 uh, tokens of the 10,499 uh, collection, and it you know it it sold out in in a day, and we raised uh, the, the first uh, around. Uh, $700,000 um, uh, from that. Uh, artists uh, in this project get uh, 22% of all uh, sales. So, you know, the 36 artists that are are participating in, in the project uh, got a bit over uh, one ETH for Christmas. So, you know, these are artists in emerging nations uh, like Cuba and Venezuela. So one ETH um, makes a difference. So for me, that was that's like one of the most uh, exciting things about this project, just like highlighting these emerging artists from uh, developing nations. Um, and then the next sale for the project happens uh, this Sunday. Uh, we will do um, an, an OG, a second OG mint uh, this Sunday. <clears throat> um, and so check check the project out. The, the art is really stunning, uh, the Infinite Machine uh, collection. So uh, we're selling another 3,000 tokens um, for first. Uh, uh, the people in the whitelist will be able to mint first and then um, after they've uh, gotten their, their chance and if there are any tokens left, it will be open to the general public. So watch out for um, an announcement uh, soon on, on the Defiant with all the details. Uh, we'll uh, have the link there and everything. So hopefully, uh, you know, those interested can uh, participate and help fund the movie uh, of the Infinite Machine. Yay, Elaine has Infinite Machine token NFT. Look at that art, it's it's beautiful. I had to, it was, it was
2: beautiful. I mean, I, okay. I just did it like when I had time out of the Christmas holidays and I was like, what's going on in this world? And I was like, oh my goodness. I, ha- I just had to get one from my girl. So I love it, was, it. I love yeah, it. Awesome.
0: So yeah. that was a story yep. that's going to take a little while to come to the screen. But talking of things that deserve to be on the screen, I think you can agree that we did. And our little weird space here, this happens in real time. We are just piping just pure goodness to you weekly. This was The Defiant versus Real Vision. And we will back next week at the same time, probably something like that. This is the internet. Who knows? Anything could happen. I will see you on the next <laughs> one. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.